Attention Northwest Arkansas businesses and talent seekers. Introducing Onboard NWA.com, your hyperlocal job board crafted for our unique community. Struggling to find the perfect match for your job openings? Onboard NWA simplifies the hiring process, connecting you with the region's top talent through tailored talent matching solutions. Whether you're an employer seeking expertise or a professional looking for your next opportunity, Onboard NWA is here for you. Discover more at onboardnwa.com and let's build the future of Northwest Arkansas together. Hello, Northwest Arkansas. Randy here, bringing you a quick word from our sponsor, Signature Bank of Arkansas. Since 2005, Signature Bank has been all about empowering our community with local ownership and top-notch banking services. Signature Bank's roots run deep with assets over a billion dollars, and they're right here in your backyard with branches in Bentonville, Rogers, Springdale, Fayetteville, and now including Harrison and Jonesboro. With a growing family of more than 200 teammates, they're ready to serve you with the warmth only a true community bank can offer. And they've got Banco C, the first bilingual bank in Arkansas, to ensure that banking is for everyone. So give Signature Bank a call at 479-684-3700 or visit Signature.Bank online. Mention you heard about them on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast for that personal touch. Signature Bank of Arkansas, big on assets, local at heart, and a proud member of the FDIC and an equal housing lender. It's time for another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas, the podcast covering the intersection of business, culture, entrepreneurship, and life in general here in the Ozarks. Whether you are considering a move to this area or trying to learn more about the place you call home, we've got something special for you. Here's our host, Randy Wilburn. Hey folks, and welcome to another episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and today I've got a special show for you. I uh, recently, as you guys know, as I launched this I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast, I've been doing a lot of research to find out what's so interesting about Northwest Arkansas. Why is it a place that, A, people are moving to? I mean, we know the Walmart effect, the J.B. Hunt effect, the Tyson effect, but There are so many other things that are happening here in Northwest Arkansas that need to be talked about. And I've been here five years now, and I'm still learning something new every single day, as I'm sure many of you who listen to this podcast are as well. And so I bet you don't know what we're about to talk about today. And if you are not familiar with Blue Zones, if you are not familiar with Tony Buettner and the rest of his organization and what they're doing and this whole idea behind Blue Zones, Well, 
you'll be familiar today for sure. So, Tony, thank you so much for having us on this podcast. And we really appreciate you just taking time out of your busy schedule to meet with us today and talk with us here on the I Am Northwest Arkansas podcast. Absolutely. Happy to be here. Yeah. So the reason why I wanted to bring you on and just to talk a little bit about it, I'd love for you just to share with the audience who Tony is and talk a little bit about your organization, Blue Zones LLC. Yeah, absolutely. Well, just really happy to have the honor to be on today. And thank you very much for that invite. My name is Tony Butner, and I work for a company called Blue Zones LLC. I am a director of business development, and I'm a national spokesperson. So I do about 90 events around the world every year, sharing the findings of our research and the work that we're doing with communities around the country. So about 15 years ago, we were approached by National Geographic and the National Institute of Aging, and they had a request for us to do research to find the longest-lived populations around the world, not these places where you hear of people living to 150 years old with no validation of birth or death records, but to compile leading experts in anthropology, demography, medical research, nutrition, put an expert team together and go out and find the longest-lived populations and figure out why they live so long. So this has been an ongoing a worldwide longevity study. The findings of our work have been captured on the cover of three National Geographic magazines and in four New York Times bestsellers, Blue Zones and Blue Zone Solution and the Blue Zones of Happiness. So what our approach was to find demographically confirmed geographically defined places around the world where people live the longest life. We put uh, teams together and have spent literally years in these places trying to figure out, and we found five of these places. The first uh, blue zone we found was on the island of Sardinia, Italy. And this is a place where you find the longest lived men. They live about 10 years longer than we do. They have a very strong a bond to their aging populations. As you get older there, you become more revered and you're, you're tapped into for your expertise. You're expected to participate. And we find these aging people close to their families. So you see everyone benefiting. You see aging parents living to four to six years longer. You see parents that are getting support from their parents and raising a third generation. And we even found what's called the grandmother effect. The grandchildren of the extended families live with less infant mortality and disease. The second blue zone we found was on the archipelago of Okinawa, Japan. This is really ground zero for longevity. It's here you find the longest lived women. They live about 12 years longer than we do. You find a strong sense of purpose. You find built-in circles of friends that support each other through life. You find a population eating mostly a plant-based diet and extraordinary longevity. The third blue zone we found was right here in the United States, surprisingly, uh, right off the San Bernardino Freeway in California. 
in Loma Linda, you find a large concentration of seven-day Adventists. And something called the Adventist Health Study has been tracking this population for about four decades. And you find a city here in America of about 28,000 people that are on average living 10 years longer than the rest of us. And it, it makes you think, what are they doing that other cities in America could pick up and do to extend longevity? We found our fourth blue zone on the Nicoya Peninsula of Costa Rica. It is a place where the whole population has a three times better chance of living to a healthy age 90. And lastly, and you find what's so surprising here, you find a diet that really hasn't changed over the last 10,000 years, focused on corn and beans, squash and uh, tropical fruit. And then lastly, we found our last blue zone on the island of Icaria, Greece, right off the coast of Turkey. It's an island of about 8,000 people, and there's almost a perfect storm of longevity happening there that is allowing the whole population to live eight years longer with just a very small portion of those people suffering chronic disease or dementia. So we captured this work in 2005 in the February, or excuse me, November issue of National Geographic. Our founder, Dan Butner, my brother, wrote a New York Times bestseller called Blue Zones and uh, really created an enormous amount of interest around the world to understand what these long-lived populations do. And we were asked to, to share with the world what were the commonalities we found. And we found nine commonalities. We call those the power nine lessons to live a long a life. And the first one was these populations move naturally. So they don't belong to gyms and they don't run marathons. They live in environments and have lifestyles that subtly but relentlessly nudge them into, into physical behavior. They're, on average, they're moving every 20 minutes. They have the right outlook. We found ways to downshift and, and reverse stress that they do every day, things like having dinner with their family or doing yoga or meditating or planting a garden or taking a walk with their spouse. But they had time-honored traditions to reverse stress and reduce inflammation that causes preventable diseases. They had a profound sense of purpose, like their mission statement, that they live every day. It's the reason that get them out of bed. And we know from research that people with a sense of purpose live seven years longer than those who don't. We saw that in these Blue Zones areas, they on average consumed about eight ounces of wine, almost always with friends, family, and a healthy meal. They lived primarily on a plant-based diet. This is what absolutely shocked us. About 95% of what they consume in these five places are plant-based whole grain. They do eat animal protein, but on average only about five times a month. And portion size is about four ounces. They had strategies not to overeat. They'd eat off of smaller plates. They'd remind themselves to stop eating when their stomachs were 80% full. They'd eat breakfast like a king, lunch like a prince, and dinner like a pauper. And then lastly, what we think really is the foundation of these longest-lived populations are how they're connected. They put their family first. They keep their aging parents close. They nurture monogamous spousal relationships, and they really nurture and take care of their kids. 
these populations have faith, faith that got these people through the hard times, that provided resilience and support. Uh, We talked to 263 centenarians in these five places, and only three did not belong to a faith-based community. And it wasn't around a specific religion. But research here in America shows that if you belong to a faith-based community and you participate four or four times at least a month and really participate, you live four to 14 years longer than those that don't. Uh, You don't have any idea why that is. Is it the social connection, the resilience, or the support? And lastly, these longest-lived populations surrounded themselves with friends and family that supported healthy behaviors. And we now know that your three best friends have a profound effect on your life. If you have your three best friends that are obese, you have 160% chance of being obese. It's the same with tobacco use, loneliness, and depression. But imagine if your three best friends are encouraging you into moving more, eating better, giving back to your community, that could be as contagious as a cold as well. Wow. That's, I mean, you know, it's, it, they say you are, you are the sum total of the company that you keep, right? <laughs> and so, but wow, that, that is, um, I mean, just the study alone, I mean, it, there's so much that has gone into this and with all the books that, that you guys have put out about this whole idea of blue zones. Have you just been asked to come to different parts of the world to do studies to see if other places can qualify to be a blue zone? Yes. So there's still an active team of demographers and anthropologists and medical researchers, including my brother Dan, looking to find additional blue zones around the world. But over the last six years, we haven't found any. We found some pockets, for instance, in northern Iowa and southern Minnesota. We thought we had located a blue zone there. But once you realize that the younger population is moving away, it skews the data. We are working currently to validate one blue zone in the Caribbean, but we're not ready to really release that. Surprisingly, the interest in that National Geographic and Dan's Blue Zones book was profound. To date, that original National Geographic is the third best-selling magazine in their 130-year history. People want to know, what nuggets can I take away from the longest-lived populations and live a longer, happier life myself? Back in, in 2008, about three years after the book came out in our original research, Dan and his team were contacted by AARP and the United Healthcare Foundation with a question, could we replicate one of these blue zones in an American city? And it was an interesting premise and one that we felt could be done. So we embarked on looking at those nine commonalities to try to get people to do more of those things. We created about 250 evidence-based, science-backed nudges, defaults, strategies, and policies that could affect people, places, and policy. In other words, how could we work with city government to, to enhance the built environment so that 
people weren't programmed to just simply get in their car and sit in traffic and be stressed out, but to to walk more or bike more or use public transportation or to build places where people can connect or to build downtown areas that are vibrant where people feel comfortable walking and biking and and supporting those downtowns. We looked at tobacco policy to understand how we could make it easier for people not to smoke, for kids not to vape. We looked at the food environment. As you know, the unhealthy, quick, and efficient choice is the easiest choice now. We wanted to understand, could we create a perfect storm where healthy choices were easy in grocery stores and convenience stores and in restaurants? And when we're serving those in most need, are we donating unhealthy foods or can we look to donate healthy foods and help people that want to change their eating habits to learn that it doesn't cost a lot of money to eat healthy? Can you do cooking demonstrations and and, um, healthy shopping tours? And then we looked at places, those places that we spend our day, places like where you work, where your kids go to school restaurants and grocery stores and faith-based communities? Could we bring a bundle of best practices so the healthy choice was the default in these places? And then looking back at the Power Nine, how could we help people identify their sense of purpose and write their own mission statement and give those gifts back to their community? How could we create committed social networks of friends that want to change their health behavior and put them on a path of success? So we did this pilot. We put out an RFP. We had 76 cities interested. We chose one, a small community by the name of Albert Lee in southern Minnesota, population of about 18,000. It was a very depressed community that was having uh, economic struggles, very, very poor health outcomes. We brought the eyes of the world. We had Good Morning America, the Today Show. We had USA Today. We brought together about 3,000 people interested in participating. We trained a steering committee to look at specific objectives and strategies to change that community. And we launched a project. And surprisingly, after just 13 short months, city workers' health care claims went down over 40%. Tobacco usage in the county down 17%. Walking and biking in the community up 80%, foot and bicycle traffic to the downtown up 56% with 10 new businesses. And the most important thing is we were able to train a whole community to come together and leave a better place than they found it by looking at environment and lifestyle and making permanent and semi-permanent changes so the healthy choice is the easy choice. Nine years later, This city in the last two years have been named the top five cities in America that you want to move your family to. They have gone from being out of 87 counties in Minnesota when we started. They were 68th in their county health rankings as measured by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. They're currently 34. They've continued to become a community that the world knows as an innovator in population health. With that success, we wanted to see, would this work in a city of about 100,000 to 150,000? So again, we put out an RFP. We had 40 cities compete, and we ended up choosing uh, three cities in California. We call them the beach cities. 
they've been now working the project for seven years. We hired a staff there from those communities and trained them. We brought together about 500 uh, volunteers to, to lead the project locally. And surprisingly, just in three short years, it was called the Beach Cities Miracle. After five years, they've seen a reduction in childhood obesity in Redondo Beach of 50%. Two years later, their childhood obesity now, which started at about 20%, is down to 6.8%. So think about that next generation that has been raised and is, is active and eating right, growing up, starting businesses, having families, and having that next generation. It is a value proposition of hundreds of millions of dollars in reduction of healthcare claims, increased productivity in the workforce, and just attracting people that want to live in a healthy community. Since that time, in just seven years, we've expanded to 11 states in America and in 48 cities where we've replicated this success in, in large communities like Fort Worth, Texas in very affluent communities like Naples, but we're in very challenged communities like Klamath Falls, Oregon, which is the unhealthiest city and the unhealthiest county in that state, or the Hawaiian Islands, where we're working on five different islands and eight different succinct populations, or in Shawnee, Oklahoma, where we're working with five Native American nations that have never worked together with the city on anything. So. What this project is demonstrating is that people are fed up with the health trajectory in our in our country. They're, they are pained by the child the childhood obesity rates, the inactivity of that generation, the screen time and the disconnection of our communities, and are showing that if communities are truly ready to come together, and that healthy communities can be built. And it's really an awesome job to be part of watching that transformation along the United States. I mean, it, it, that is amazing. And I certainly applaud what you guys are doing and what you're able to do. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there is so much basic things that we can be doing in our communities to improve our quality of life, not just on the food side, but you know, in how we interact with people, how we get out and work out and, and take care of our bodies. And, you know, I mean, there, there's just a number of different things that play into, you know, what ultimately can happen in, in the success of a community. And so I'm curious to know, how did you end up talking about this in Northwest Arkansas? And what was the, the crux of that? You recently visited with us back in February, I believe. Is that correct? I've, I've been blessed to be invited into your community a number of times now. The interest in our work, what we found through a grant from the CDC and the National Institute of Health in building our model for community health was that over the last 50 years, there's been thousands of initiatives, community health initiatives in our country that have all systematically failed. There hasn't been one that anyone can point at to say, these efforts lower to chronic disease and that those disease rates have been sustained. And we've been able to replicate now 48 cities. So there's an enormous amount of demand on our work. Um, my brother, Dan, who is the founder of Blue Zones, uh, myself and my brother, Nick, do about 230 events a year around the world. And we get hired 
to either be keynote speakers for events or we get hired from communities that are interested in learning and gauging if their community be interested or ready for this type of transformation. So back in, in November of last year, I was hired as a keynote speaker to come to the convention center there in Bentonville to present our work. We had about 200 people there. It was uh, Northwest Arkansas uh, University that hired me to come in. Um, I did that keynote presentation. It was well-received. And we were asked to sit down with community leaders after that event to share Blue Zone Project in great detail. And it was determined that there was the interest of the whole region to do an assessment to understand the challenges that you face, what are the strengths, and what would be the opportunities to partner in a Blue Zone project. So we came back in February. We actually brought our national team. We worked with the Northwest Arkansas Council to bring together leaders in your region, in policy places and people, organizations and individuals just doing great work that really understand that there's more that can be done, that uh, something large and impactful that could address all ages of the community and all communities would be interest. So we brought eight of our national team members down and we had focus groups on policy, uh, schools, engagement, work sites to learn what the strengths and challenges and opportunities would be. We met and did uh, two large presentations open to everyone in the community. Again, we had several hundred people show up. We met with the five mayors of the largest cities, all uh, voiced interest to support a project of this magnitude. And we met with uh, key organizations and influencers to articulate what the return on investment of a project like this would be. What's interesting is there's some good things happening in the region, but you have high obesity rates there, your diabetes, heart disease, lifestyle risk factors, disease prevalence are, are all pretty profound. We like to call it, you would have been the uh, valedictorian of summer school there. <laughs> You're doing well as it relates to the state of Arkansas, which is, I think, 47th out of 50 country as far as your well-being outcomes. And I think the leadership there just understood, you know, there's more we could be doing. We could be the best. We have some of the best businesses in the country. We have some of the best employees in the country. But how could we have some of the best well-being? So we came and did that work. We came away and put together some proposal recommendations. We were back in Northwest Arkansas last week and shared some of our thinking and our report to the community. And what we came away with was a very unique direction that your leadership is really focused on and it's admirable. They don't believe that doing a project in one city would be the way to go. They truly are focused and believe that all of Northwest Arkansas should be included in this project. And so we're in uh, ongoing conversations uh, in hopes to bringing a Blue Zone project to your region this fall. Wow. That would be absolutely amazing. I, I certainly applaud the leadership of our communities that have been proactive in working with your organization to try to bring this about. And it doesn't surprise me because I, I'd like to think, and I've only been here for five years, but I see Northwest Arkansas as being fairly 
advanced in terms of the thought process of, hey, we're always looking for ways to improve. And I think what you, the opportunity that you offer with the Blue Zone project allows for a level of improvement that we've talked about but haven't fully realized. Here's what happens. I've been in uh, over 500 communities to date uh, with Blue Zones. And in every one of those communities, there are individuals and organizations that are doing great work. But in almost every one of those communities, the work is being done in silos. And when you do this kind of work, community health and silos, it is rare that you'll ever see any real measurable impact. We see in many of these communities that there's a group of leaders that come together on a regular cadence. And they identify the health risks and lifestyle risk and disease prevalence and the problems that face their community. And they understand what they'd like to attack. But that's typically when the work ends because these are volunteers. They have other jobs. They have families. They're not experts in population health. They might focus their efforts on things like fun runs and weight loss challenges diets and gym memberships. These are all very well-intentioned things, but they're short-term wins and long-term failures. And what Blue Zone Project brings to a community-led initiative partnership is the rigor, the accountability, the staff, the training, the tools, the programming, the measurement that really gets a community to a tipping point theory, a tipping point of health and well-being but really ingrains this cultural change in leaders and organizations that then take it amongst themselves to continue the work. And it's astounding what can be done when you bring the full community together. Yeah. Wow. That's funny. And we, we just, it's not funny, but I mean, it's just, I was just thinking we had the hog eye marathon this weekend and we had a couple of other big events. You know, there's a big farm to table movement here in Northwest Arkansas. And we just had our annual rollout of the uh, farmer's market in here in Fayetteville. And there, you know, I've, since I've been here, it seems like people are very aware of what could be. And so I think being pushed in the right direction could really help a place like Northwest Arkansas to really grow and to experience some of the wins and victories that you uh, so eloquently described earlier in the podcast. And so, I mean, I think anything's really possible here in Northwest Arkansas. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on the show to kind of talk about this and to say, hey, there there are things that we can aspire to, like a, a Sardinia or an Okinawa or a Loma Linda, for that matter, that with a little bit of work and a little bit of effort and some help from the outside, i.e. what the Blue Zone group is doing, we can really, you know, create, get, gain some momentum for this area and maybe overcome some of the challenges that we face right now that you mentioned? Yeah, I think it's important for your listeners to know that Blue Zones is an organization that is not going to come in from the outside and tell you all what to do. These are collaborations. We bring, as I said, a replicable model that's been successful in 48 communities. But we spend the first six months of our project bringing together stakeholders and leaders and really doing a deep dive on the culture, the priorities, again, what's working and and what are the barriers or challenges, and training a local leadership coalition that will lead this work. 
they will ultimately decide on what are the objectives, strategies, the actual activities that will happen, how they'll be measured and they'll own that body of work. And that's really the magic of these projects are a perfect storm of collaboration, not some third party uh, coming in the community and really telling you what to do. Uh, you have world-class organizations and leadership. You have opportunity here. And um, I strongly believe that a project in Northwest Arkansas would really reverberate throughout the region, a region that has some of the poorest health outcomes in our country. And until communities come together and focus on partnerships that are inclusive, that look at environments and lifestyles, make permanent, semi-permanent change, we're never going to see the well-being outcomes improve in this region. And, and I really think the opportunity here is to demonstrate how this can work in your community. And I have really strong belief that it'll re reverberate throughout the region. Yeah, no, I, I think I agree with you 100%. So do you have plans to be back here in the Northwest Arkansas area anytime soon in the next six months or? Well, at this point, we're working with the leadership coalition. I guess I'd strongly encourage your listeners if they feel like this would be something that would be beneficial for their community to reach out to the Northwest Arkansas Council, okay. um, which is driving this collaboration to voice interest in doing this type of work in the region. Okay have people reach out to their local mayors and say, why aren't we doing this type of work? These are the kind of communities we want. And so our hopes are that um, conversations will be fruitful and the outcome positive. And if that's the case, I believe that we will be launching a Blue Zone project in the region this fall. And at that point, it will be opened up to everyone in the community to be part of that discovery and planning phase and then implementation six months after that. So very, very excited. Wow. Okay. Well, there you have it, folks. Tony has laid it out for us, and, and we will certainly take some time to get some of the uh, connections for the NWA Council so we can get their contact information and put it in our show notes. And those of you that where you, whatever town you live in here in Northwest Arkansas, you know how to reach your local mayor. And if you don't, we'll try to help you figure that out. And um, also, we, we certainly want to uh, guide you to some of the books that Tony's organization has put out on Blue Zones, Blue Zone Solutions, and Blue Zones of Happiness. And is the National Geographic article or, or edition, is that still in print today? Yeah, so it is. I'd like to tell your listeners, if, if it happens that, that a project doesn't come to your community this year, they can go to our website at bluezone.com. Okay. And there is just tons of free information. There is what's called the true vitality test that they can take a small questionnaire that will, will share with them what their biological age is right now. And as they've lived their life to date, how many years they've either gained or lost. And that program will give them some hints on specifically what they can do to improve their well-being. There are checklists to transform your kitchen, your pantry, your bedroom, your family, your tribe to make healthy choices easy. There's a newsletter they can sign up. There's over 600 healthy recipes. Um, there's just an enormous amount of free information for people that want to um, buy any of the books. 
obviously they're for sale. I don't bring that up. I'm not trying to sell. They can go to Amazon and buy them for a dollar. One of the things that you can get on that website is two years ago, National Geographic did a whole magazine on blue zones. It is beautifully written. It walks through the five blue zones. It talks about the Power Nine and it talks about our work in communities. That was printed two years ago. It was for sale in 160 countries and it sold out in five days. Wow. They reprinted it about three months ago. It might be for sale in some of the bookstores, but we have those for sale as well. So lots of free information on the website for people that like to learn more about the work we've done in communities and our research and just lots of free tools for them to access as well. Well, yeah, we, we will definitely uh, point them in that direction. And I saw that uh, the test that you offer online, I, I didn't get a chance to take it, but I do want to take it to figure out what my biological age is. I hope that it's certainly younger than I actually am. So we'll see. We'll see how that works out. So but I'm going to make sure to, to call everyone out that's listening. I expect you to share that with me. Oh, I will. I will definitely do that. I have I've no shame in my game. So I'm not I'm not afraid of sharing it. And again, like I said, that's the only way we get better. So that's right. Uh, if, that's right. If I've got shortcomings, I will. Uh, I will work on those. But I really, Tony, really appreciate you taking time out of your schedule to connect with us today and and just kind of share your thoughts about blue zones. I can just tell by listening to you talk that you're very passionate about this, and this is part of your why. And so I, I really appreciate you opening up to this audience, which is something that they need to hear. And I hope that um, everybody listening is receptive to what Tony has shared today and and what he and his brother have made kind of like their life's work. And I want to encourage you to learn more about Blue Zones by visiting bluezones.com. That's bluezones with an S.com. And uh, check it out. And let's learn a little bit more about how we can not just improve ourselves, but improve our community. So Tony Butner, thank you so much for being on the on the show. And do you have one parting thought for Northwest Arkansas? First off, I'd, I'd like to say thank you so much for having me. It's just been an absolute honor. I just tell the listeners that when you go to try to change any of your, your health behaviors, look at your environment, look at your lifestyles, look at the people that you hang out with. Those are long-term journeys. Um, and it's the small things that you do, but it's the things that you do long enough for it to really matter. So just wishing everyone uh, lots of happiness, lots of well-being, and uh, live longer better. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you so much. Tony, thank you so much. And uh, folks, there you have it. Tony Butner from Blue Zones LLC, uh, an organization based up in Minneapolis, Minnesota area. And uh, he's come down here to Northwest Arkansas before and kind of given us a little bit of enlightenment on what could be for folks in Northwest Arkansas. So we thank you so much. And we hope that you share this specific episode with a friend, especially somebody that you know here locally, that you want to encourage to be better, do better, feel better. This is definitely the episode to listen to, to help you out with that. And so that's all we have for you today on this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I will be with you next week. We'll see you later. We hope you enjoyed this episode of I Am Northwest Arkansas. Check us out each and every week, available anywhere that great podcasts can be found. For show notes or more information on becoming a guest, visit IamNorthwestArkansas.com. We'll see you next week on I Am Northwest Arkansas.